Welcome to the Polite Conversations podcast, where every episode is focused on civility, decorum, and good manners. And I'm your lovable, non-controversial host, Ina. If you know me, you know I definitely don't like to ruffle any feathers at all. Welcome to episode 75. I have a very special guest here with me, uh, YouTuber The Cavernacle. Hello. Hey, uh, it's so great to be on this podcast, and I think we're going to have a really good conversation about our favorites in uh, <laughs> the new atheist movement or the intellectual dark web as the new atheist movement has been dead for a while i'd say <laughs> yeah it's just kind of like morphed day eh? but yeah it's wonderful to have you on i've had a bunch of listeners ask me at different times to see if i can get you on and i'm glad that we have made this happen because i think we have a lot of similarities in our yeah. trajectory yeah which is funny because we come from such different backgrounds yeah it's kind of this it's kind of really the same kind of trajectory of you got to go through the new atheist (laughs) experience to come out the other side better maybe (laughs) yeah 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 so tell me more about yourself before we get into that tell me more about your uh origin story as a youtuber yeah yeah because that actually is associated with atheism so um like i've always kind of wanted to be a youtuber and when i was like 21 um because you're 21 you're an idiot really uh Mm -hmm. you think all the problems of the world are religion and Mm -hmm. that's like that's what your soul with new atheism like even sam harris it's like no the only thing that exists in the world is religion and it's not really influenced or tainted by anything around it like economic societal influences so when i was at 21 started my youtube channel and it kind of focused on like i'd say left-wing atheism but i still thought that was compatible with like this new atheist mm-hmm. thing because you had people like christopher hitchens who used to be marxist and stuff so like it felt like some a lot of that argument was compatible and obviously the new atheist movement became really prominent during the bush years and it was like a response to evangelical christianity in america and then obviously you know like in 2014 it really became just completely like anti-islam instead um yeah but i i just kind of saw it as oh you know they're attacking everyone equally uh, so it's it's totally fair game like let, let's talk about um islam let's talk about christianity so mm-hmm. that's what i did so i did that for a couple of years and then i don't know why maybe just like I, I did my master's in international relations um because i graduated with a history degree just before i started my youtube channel i was doing it when i was doing my master's degree mm-hmm. and i had a really good marxist professor i think he was half jordanian or or something like that and he was just very good and it made me realize that hang on a second my problem i thought was always religion is the most toxic ideology in the world and then i switched to it's actually capitalism and all my problems with religion are really exacerbated by capitalism so whether that be saudi arabia's prominence Mm -hmm. in the world whether that be israel doing what it's doing today whether that be loads of the gulf states or even north african countries which aren't as religious but still are um, all of them are propped up by the West for Western capital. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, well, why am I focusing on this religious element when the capitalist element to me, my mind comes first? Like, that's the order I solve it. I'm like, oh, capitalism, let's get rid of that first. And then loads of the problems of religion will subside. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, religion has its own, you know, I still have my problems. And there's sometimes 
the old atheists in me will come out on a YouTube video. Uh, like I, I know a lot of people got very critical because I made a video about Andrew Tate converting to Islam. Um, oh, I wanted to do that too. I wanted to do yeah. like a Muslim manosphere video, but then I, yeah, I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like uh, put it on the back burner for now because I definitely don't want to be. Yeah, giving people more reason to demonize Muslims right now, even though there's a very legit criticism to be made. But I, I totally understand why you made it. And I think I might have watched it, but it was a while ago. It was, yeah, I made it nearly a year ago. But yeah. people, um, because I'm left-wing um, Westerner, so obviously I stand up for like marginalized groups, which includes in the UK, like Muslims. So I have a lot of Muslim followers, I think. But also they got a bit funny to start criticizing islam mm. and i'm like i got no problem criticizing islam and also andrew tate's version of islam was like here's the most misogynistic right-wing version of islam and that's actually a good thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and I, I always have nuance right like i, I try and give nuance but i, I still fundamentally like, don't like religion i disagree with religion but it's in the context of my politics you see like you know how class affects religious influence which i think we'll talk about because the fear-mongering about you know replacement with muslims is always so funny to me in terms of like political power is like a it doesn't really matter who the majority population in somewhere like the uk is it's always you know the powerful in this country have been the same for a thousand years it's mm -hmm. not changing <laughs> anytime soon uh, most people don't even vote so um what i was gonna say is yeah so from that i just started criticizing you know more anti-capitalist content more like societal commentary and yeah like i quit my job um three years ago uh, just toxic work conditions and i just thought i'd try it go full-time so i've been full-time for oh shit it's only four years so that's crazy in four years no three, my third year going full-time my fourth year going full full-time it's the third year i've been doing this and yeah and that, that's where i'm at today where i will criticize religion a bit i'll criticize like new atheism and everything like that but i'm more focused on anti-capitalism um but obviously what i have been focusing on a lot recently is you know israel's genocide in gaza mm -hmm. so uh I have been trying to like, uh, it, it's not even always a religious argument, but the, a religion does come into play a lot with the Israel stuff. Well, I'll leave it on this. What I do find funny is after ISIS, we had to have a conversation about like 1.6 billion Muslims and how Islam is so terrible, even though most Muslims disagree with ISIS. But when the majority of um, the followers of Judaism, they support what Israel's doing right now to varying extents, but the new atheists are not saying let's have a conversation about the problems with the Jewish religion right now, it's more, oh no, that's all. That's awesome actually because Hamas are Nazis. Right, and and I don't think it would be correct to pin it on the religion in this context either, just like solely on the religion. Of course there are... No, not, not, not only on the religion for sure. And that's always been the weird thing of Israel in that it was found by socialist atheists, but you have a really religious element now driving the genocide. Yeah, what seems to me sometimes to be like, the use of religion by a mostly secular army, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of Muslims can relate to the way that, you know, the religious symbolism on the flags and it being used in these what look to be awful terroristy ways, right? Planting the Israeli flag atop all this, like, rubble of just buildings that they've just bombed and yeah it just evokes this image of isis like behavior to me at least yeah 
It's like it's like because uh, obviously what ISIS and the Taliban were famous for is destroying historical sites that went against the narratives of Islam being the one true faith or whatever. So you had the Buddhist stuff in mm-hmm, Afghanistan mm-hmm. in the two thousand, ISIS with the Christian stuff and other pagan yeah. cultures and stuff. Um, and Israel's like, yeah, we're just going to wipe Gaza off the map because for our historical you know version of Israel to exist, we need to just destroy the, the, any existence of Palestinian culture. So yeah, you're right in that. It, like with ISIS, it's it's kind of like erasing a culture, and Israel's kind of trying to do that the exact same thing. Like they don't think Palestine is even a thing. Like I made in my Germany video the other day, Germany's telling Palestinian kids that they're actually Jordanian and stuff. Like you know, Palestine doesn't exist. It's actually anti-Semitic to basically say you're Palestinian because then you're denying Israel's right to exist. Some shit like that. So yeah, like it, it is like. You know, like you're saying, it's a secular army because the most religious in Israel don't actually have to serve, but Netanyahu's support relies on them supporting him. And obviously a lot of his re- own rhetoric is very religious, whether or not he actually believes mm-hmm. it. They definitely draw on yeah. religion when it's convenient. And then they draw on, oh, we're just a secular liberal yeah. democracy when it's convenient yeah, as well. And that's, that really goes back to the, the battle over Zionism before Israel was even founded. You had revisionist Zionism, which was religious, versus um, more like socialistic Zionism, which is more about a homeland for the Jews which I didn't actually care where it was to start with, but various different ideas were floating around of where Israel would actually exist, and it wasn't Palestine. Mm-hmm. So but what you have now is the revisionist form of Zionism either in, intertwining itself with the more standard one mm-hmm. or like completely taking over, because what you're seeing now is a society that's getting increasingly radicalized. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can divorce the Jewish religion from the Jewish identity for some people because of that history of like oppression or marginalization and isolation, mm-hmm. uh, which is forced upon them by different Western countries, for example, in their history. But at the same time, it is interesting that Netanyahu can give a speech talking about very religious things and still the war is meant to be legit and not like a complete excuse for a land grab basically right right and the silence of the humanists and the new atheists and all of that is just it just exposes how it was so racist and not only racist fascist as well yeah yeah in my opinion yeah all that talk of we oppose religious extremism and the use of religion in these ways it's just it's so blatantly hypocritical now. Like, I hope that a lot of people who still bought into their so-called humanism or so-called, you know, harsh criticism of religion yeah. are absolutely seeing the hollowness and emptiness of that rhetoric right now. I mean, I don't know what your kind of moment was to uh, really break out of that. Like, for me, it happened around the Trump times, which was, <laughs> you know, not too, too long ago. I was still, you know, like seven years ago, I was still, I guess, you know, a questioning fan of Harris. And yeah. I started to see, obviously, his support for people like Douglas Murray and Dave Rubin and Gatsad and all these horrendous, horrendous characters um, as deeply concerning, but I tried to convince myself that maybe he's just too busy to look into who they are. Um, yeah. But once I had a conversation with him directly and saw him dodging everything 
and give no real answers and just make excuse after excuse. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, like, have people really been right all these years? <laughs> yeah. And for me, as an ex-Muslim, I did not want to, like, believe that this space that I had finally found where I could freely talk about my criticism of religion was just a cover for, like, bigotry against brown people like me so yeah yeah you didn't want to be the token uh ex-muslim of oh all muslims are backward savages mm -hmm. and i'm the good one for breaking free yeah. because um what what struck me of the conversation when you're really challenging sam harris about douglas murray is how like how unnuanced their assessment of islam is like if you are a muslim to them you must be someone who is looking to take over the West and, and make Islam the dominant ideology, because obviously Islam's a political ideology kind of in its founding, so it gives you a whole system for running a country, basically, doesn't it? Like mm -hmm. uh, It's why Chinese merchants used to like it as well, because it gave you the tax regulations. Because like, I, I was reading re recently that um, some of the earliest Muslims that were abroad were Chinese because of the trade and stuff. But um, to them, it's not like... Um, a political system it's not even something that obviously even with jew jews and here's something from my own background i'm i'm irish catholic um living in the uk and i've never really believed in catholicism mm -hmm. it's just an identity thing that gets forced on you when you're in a minority religion because there are less catholics in the in england than there are muslims mm -hmm. so we're like wow. it's really small oh. which is it is really surprising because obviously catholicism used to be massive in england but now it's protestantism since huh. like the 1500s but because of that, you have your identity kind of shoved on you. And I went to Northern Ireland recently, uh, first time in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, for people who don't know, Northern Ireland is an occupied territory of Ireland by the United Kingdom, run by the United Kingdom, does have its own parliament. And I went on a tour of West Belfast, which has parallels to, to Palestine. I went to the Catholic neighborhood and I went to the Protestant neighborhood. And I never had a sense of my own identity stronger than there because the Catholic guy thought I was English and kind of treated me as such until I told him I was actually Irish Catholic and had family and Republican movements in Ireland. And then the, the Protestant guy thought I was English and didn't ask any questions. And he acted like, because in that part of Belfast, it's dangerous to be a Catholic. But at the same time, what it made me realize is like identity is pushed on you. And it's the same with Muslims in the UK. You're a Muslim, whether or not you believe in it. Or yes. Not, you are a Muslim. Exactly. Because people see you. But also, I know from my own experience, a lot of Muslims identify with being a Muslim without even believing in the religion. But I have friends who don't believe in Islam, but they identify as muslim the same way i would identify as irish catholic background despite not believing in it for like over a decade right. so for me in the conversation you had the lack of understanding that people can identify as something like muslim and not really care about it and not be like agents for an islamist takeover is insane <laughs> and also when i was listening to that and sorry a bit of a tangent but i'm gonna go into how i broke away from it there's no class analysis at all in that most Pakistani people who come to the UK will be some of the poorest people in the UK mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and even then, if they enter the halls of political power, let's say Sadiq Khan, Pakistani Muslim mayor of London, mm -hmm. what does that change? He, he, he is not like a conservative, but he's not a leftist. He's, he, to me, he's just a really standard centre-left politician. Yeah. So yeah. What has happened in the UK since he's become he became mayor in 2016? What are you talking about? You guys have like full Sharia law, don't you? <laughs> I know, I know. And, and it's insane because they also miss out that element of it's all about in relation to how much power you have in the in the United States, for example. Evangelicals are quite a minority group, 
but they have disproportionate power because mm. of capitalism and how much they influence elections, right? Mm-hmm. Muslims don't have Muslims do not have that apart from maybe some Saudis and stuff, uh, but that's foreign influences. Like mm-hmm. American Muslims do not have political power as much as like evangelicals, for example. In the UK, it's the same. So for me, what broke me out of new atheism is when I changed more to capitalism. I'm like. How is their way of thinking so binary? How do they think every single Muslim refugee, regardless of what they think, how do they think they're going to take over the Western infrastructure when we ourselves as white Christian people or people who are ex-Christian, we can't affect change? So what hope does someone who's demonized by society and comes in with maybe a lack of education no great economic prospects. How are they going to take over? <laughs> it's like we we young people we can't even get any change, and we we are like by, by society's definition in the UK, there's nothing oppressing us, right? There's nothing marginalizing us. So that kind of un, no understanding of class dynamics and economic conditions, really, I was like these people fundamentally don't understand politics or history for that matter as well. Because when you dig into Islamic and Christian history, there's always different times where. Islamic society is more progressive yeah. than Christian society. And like I'm playing Assassin's Creed Mirage uh, that's <laughs> set in Baghdad in the glory, the, like the golden age. And you go to the libraries there and everyone's talking and, and people don't realize uh, it's the Arabs who translated the Greek work, which was then translated back into Latin by um, Christian monks in Spain, because we lost that for mm-hmm. ourselves. Right. And if these Muslims are so backwards barbarians, wouldn't they just destroy everything they hate? Apparently like ISIS. So it's a lack of any understanding of Islamic history or, how we treat certain groups in this country and capitalism, in my opinion, like they have no understanding of how capitalism affects religion. So to me, it just completely turned me off. Some of it is by like choice. I think with Sam Harris, he's not as stupid as he sounds for sure. Like he's able to learn and understand things, but he has a preferred narrative. So whenever someone has pointed out to him about the history of Islam, or just recently he had Yuval Noah Harari, I think his name is, on his podcast, and even though, you know, he has some very, like, yeah, Israel has a right to defend itself type of takes, he's still a lot better than Harris, where even he had to point out to Harris that, look, there were times where Jews fled from Europe to Muslim countries because Europe was the unsafe place for them, so it isn't constant, you know, um, these hatreds, they're not as ingrained and constant as you're making it out to be. Yeah. But yeah, I think Sam Harris just like is purposely ignorant and spreading ignorance a lot of times. Yeah. I I think he, he, this is, this is the problem. I think for a lot of people, if you read the Quran, and then you you look at ISIS, for example, and you're like, I understand how that becomes a thing, right? And then they think that's like everything in the world, like because they've because there's this ideology. It's like right now with Hamas, right? With the lack of understanding, they act like if Hamas uh, got a ceasefire, then that just emboldens them to do a genocide of Israel, right? And it's like this is so divorced from reality. Even if Hamas really wanted to do this, which they said they don't recently, like in the, the latest statements um, going back the last couple of years, where does the political power come from to do that? Israel's like one of the most powerful countries on earth and it has nuclear weapons. So Mm -hmm. when is this happening? And it's just like, it's treating all Muslims like, and and, and it's weird, I I think sometimes. So we we, we all acknowledge like Iran is is run by the Ayatollah and it has different political parties, but it's, you know, generally Islamist, right? We all understand that's just a country, people live there. You don't have much choice, right? Mm -hmm. So I I don't know how we don't understand, and this plays into their racism, that 
a lot of Palestinians, they just grow up in a territory like Gaza. It's run by a certain group like Hamas. Mm-hmm. They don't have much choice. We understand, like, you know, in Thailand, they have the monarchy. In in, in China, they have the Communist Party, right? H- how do you associate everyone with their own government? But because this narrative of Hamas ISIS, which new atheists love so much, we act like these people are completely untethered from reality. And it, it's because they love Islam so much. And it helps so much with that narrative. And it's not to do with oppressive conditions that they've been facing. Like, yeah, it's so obvious in the case of Hamas that it grew out of a reaction to those conditions. Ex- yeah, exactly. And, and, and the thing is, um, you, you probably know this well, what Islamists often do well, because Islamicism is anti-capitalism, it is anti-Western, and you have groups like the Muslim Brotherhood that swept to power in Egypt after the revolution, it's because they're so embedded in local communities and with the poor. So um, Hamas are an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, but it's like the, these organizations, they're, they're smart politically in how they get to power, but a lot of people don't give a shit what they actually believe as long as you stand up for something that they like. So there were Palestinians in Gaza who voted for Hamas who weren't even Muslims because they're like, mm-hmm. we will stand up to the Israelis um, the PLO, Fatah, they've sold you out of you know the peace agreements in the 90s. They've given away mm-hmm. Palestine forever. We'll we'll take it back. We'll fight for you. And how do people not understand that like you don't have to be a fundamentalist? And you can excuse that the same way people vote for Trump or voted for Trump in 2016, despite not agreeing with his all his politics, right? People understand that, but when it comes to Muslims, oh my God, they must all be ISIS willing to suicide bomb or something. Well, Harris in particular spent, like, you know, right after Trump got elected, spent the time scolding the left and, uh, you know, making excuses for why people were radicalized by Trump. Yeah, I listened to that in your podcast as well. He <laughs> said uh, Trump's election. But that's that's again that's again why, why I find these new atheists so ridiculous. In, in, in your podcast about it, you outlined how... Everything to do with Trump was actually a reaction to the woke left culture war. Mm-hmm. Nothing about economic reality, nothing about how Donald Trump was like, I am going to bring you change. I'm going to bring all the jobs back um, to the United States. And yeah, obviously, to people who are informed, you know that's bullshit. But if you're poor and you've been fucked over by the system, someone comes in and promises that. You might not like his comments on women, for example, or Muslims. But he says he'll change things, right? And it's the same with Brexit in the UK. Yeah, you have that super xenophobic element. Which is very attractive to to people. It, it is attractive, but at the same time, you can be racist and agree with that or, or be racist enough to not care about that, but be like, I want some change in this country. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't all have to be, okay, I'd say Brexit is more like xenophobic, which might sound weird because Donald Trump versus Brexit. I'd say Brexit was more xenophobic because people didn't even know what the EU was. But I still think sometimes voting for change despite things is a very common thing that happens across European politics. But when it happens in Palestine, it's like, oh my God, they all must be insane wanting to go to paradise and blow themselves up and kill all Israelis or whatever, right? Right. It's like, um, it's the dehumanization of, it's just general, like non-Western people, but obviously it's focused on Muslims at the moment. And it's just such an annoying retread of the war on terror. Mm -hmm. And and it's what gets us into all these arguments. Like in the 60s, it was communist. They're like, we must go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. If Vietnam becomes communist, then it'll just be like a proxy for for China. But then Vietnam goes to war with China four years later. And it's like, yeah, because not all communists, not all people think the exact same thing about everything. The same way, even Islamist groups like Hamas and ISIS don't like each other. But because people are so racist, like 
they think Taliban, Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, <laughs> whatever, they're all the exact same thing and they all just want to take over the world for Islam. Not that they'd probably rather kill each other first. Like who put out a hit on Saddam Hussein was Al-Qaeda. ISIS like, like paid salaries, right? Like that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you were so dedicated to the cause of fighting for God, why do you need, like, this monetary incentive? Yeah, and also, why do the leaders not blow themselves up most of the time? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, could could they not really care about Islam so much? And, like, even with that, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to bring too much nuance to ISIS, but at the same time, it's still like an offshoot. A lot of the people who led ISIS were in Saddam Hussein's administration, and, like, that's a complete contradiction in that the group that were telling Muslims to kill Saddam Hussein were Al-Qaeda. And ISIS originally started off as an offshoot of Al-Qaeda, and then Saddam Hussein's old generals are running it. And it's like, that should tell you what you need to know, that it's not all black and white history. And even when it comes to scary Muslim terrorists, um, as we Westerners are terrified of all the time, there is nuance there, and there is like some sort of rationale that goes behind it. But to Sam Harris, it's all like, they are so motivated by entering paradise. <laughs> yeah. Iran must be invaded because the Ayatollah yeah. is going to nuke the world in like two seconds. And it's like, well, like, you know, Pakistan hasn't done that. So there, there's your evidence there. Right. Like, like being a Muslim and conservative Muslim doesn't mean you want to kill yourself. <laughs> right. And meanwhile, he makes excuses for the good intentions of the Western countries that bomb indiscriminately all the yeah. time, right? It's like such a shallow and toddler like analysis of world politics, and uh, I just feel like he has to know better than that himself. He's not that stupid. Well, that's that's the thing because you know, like Jordan Peterson thinks he's an expert on everything, mm. despite only being an academic in one subject. It reminds <laughs> me of that, and I and I genuinely think you might give him too much credit because he's not inarticulate and he's not an idiot in that he doesn't know things. Mm. But I think sometimes. It's like I always said, I'm so happy I did a politics degree after history a history degree because it gave me the ideological framework for this information. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why so many people who get into history become quite conservative because you don't have an ideological framework to work with or you mm. don't have economic analysis. Mm. And I think with Sam Harris is that he doesn't have a good education in history or politics or economics. He just has it in, you know, religion and neuroscience and stuff. So he associates religion. But even in function. religion, I would say his whatever education I've seen on display is very basic. And uh, it, Yeah, it's, it, it is for sure. But in my opinion is... Sometimes when you become an authority on things, you think you're an authority on all things. Mm. And um, like, well, one thing I try and do a lot on YouTube is that I don't try and speak outside my realms of knowledge. Like, for example, like very intimate fiscal policy. I'm never going to make a video about that because mm. I don't fucking <laughs> understand it. Or like stuff to do, like you know, the stock market, and I don't understand that. But mm-hmm. like, sometimes when you have an ego like Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris, you feel like you can speak on everything. Mm-hmm. and you're just right about it and you have to give your take i think like especially when you're like a wealthier person as well and you're so divorced from economic reality and not realizing that you know you have more in common with a muslim person under the system than you do with a, a rich white uh, christian capitalist when you're divorced from that that's how you see the world and that's why they can rationalize all this stuff as well i've read the quran it says this i see hamas doing this therefore it's a result of the quran and that makes complete sense to them Yeah, meanwhile, Harris will say, like, there's very little benign content in, like, Islamic scripture, which is not true. 
because there's a lot of like blah, like love thy neighbor type messages too. And if you're looking beyond the Quran, you're looking into the Hadith, there's even more of those. Of course, they're very violent and awful Hadith too. But if you want to cherry pick only a good, uh, peaceful message, it's totally possible. Yeah. And, and and there's been Islamic communists, like not not Muslims who reject Islam and become communists. There's been red Islam mm. as a thing, mm-hmm. so because they found somewhat something in Islam which they could associate with communism. And it's also just like it's like this lack. Uh, and this is why it always gets me. They say uh, ISIS represent the true version of Islam, while like Joseph Kony doesn't represent the true face of Christianity. And it's like if you read about the history of both religions, they often at the exact same. So doesn't that tell you that it doesn't really matter what's fucking in the religion so much, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's, there's nuances, of course, but like when crusaders are doing what they do to Jewish people and Muslims, when Muslims are doing stuff based on, you know, the Saudis historically, based on their own religion, it looks the exact same. And also reading medieval history is interesting as well because it's just all geopolitics, like Persia, mm-hmm. Muslim caliphates, Christians, they get on when they want, and they fight when they want. Like, mm-hmm. it's not all like a binary history of, oh my God, they hate each other so much. It's like, especially history of Spain as well. It's, there's this coexistence that exists there, which goes against this narrative of, you know, even medieval Muslims being like ISIS, because they weren't. They're like, uh, history is very multicultural and very more cooperative than people killing each other all the time. You have that element, of course. So the fact that, you know, there's many societies in the world, I do find it interesting how... Muslim for even the intellectual dark web comes to mean just Arab or North African or maybe Pakistani, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many Muslims like, you know, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, these are never in the conversation, really, are they? Because it's not really about the religious side, in my opinion. It's about Right. They will only bring them up if they're trying to say, well, we're not racist for criticizing Islam because Islam (laughs) is not a race and look at all these diverse Muslims and that's the only (laughs) context they will bring that sort of diversity among Muslims up in but um, yeah so so your defining moment for kind of breaking away from new atheism summed up would be what? Oh if I try and think of like one moment it's it's around twenty late twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. I'm I'm trying to think of what it might have been. I, okay, I think it was. I think I think Sam Harris was talking more about um, nuclear weapons in Islam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, this is just so divorced from reality. I think he was talking about ISIS, but then he he switched it up and started talking about Iran, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, people didn't agree with the assessment. But I said if if ISIS got a nuclear weapon. I still doubt they would use it because they probably use it to create their own country rather than um, just because, like I said, the people who run ISIS aren't the the extremists who blow themselves up. <laughs> like they're just the people using it as a as like a way to get into power. But even even if people disagree with that, and that's not a risk I would want to take. Though ISIS it, yeah, it, seemed truly it, psychotic, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's not a risk you'd want to take. But at the same time, it was meant to be called like the Islamic State, right? It was meant to be a country. So, but I, I get why people will disagree with that. But at the same time, because he switched it up to Iran and talk about if they got the nuclear weapons, then the Ayatollah would just start launching them everywhere. And it's like to me, it's like how can you be so divorced from political reality that while there might be something in the Quran that says, "Oh, go blow yourself up for Islam," not obviously 
it's so old it doesn't say that but it's like go you know blow yeah yeah sacrifice yourself for islam at the same time it should be clear based on the evidence of the modern world that yeah most muslims aren't going to do that because most muslims disagree with that and also the violence disproportionately affects muslims as well so they know the effects of these suicide bombings more than than westerners do right and it's like most people disagree with that so shouldn't that tell you something that even though you can find justification and some people do at the same time, plenty of people don't. And it's like back in the day with slavery, Christians could justify it. that The, the yeah. Pope literally said to enslave Africans is an act of God because it's better for them to be Christian than them to be pagan savages. And then in the New World as well, they use the same logic to destroy the native populations. But then some Christian priests went back to the Spanish and said, we need laws to protect the natives because the violence is like so extreme, it goes against God. Yeah. Right? So even in that, you see there's nuances how people use religion yeah to justify terrible things and use religion as like, no, God would disagree with this. But when it comes to Islam, which is a very similar religion to both Judaism mainly, but also Christianity, mm-hmm. it's like, how can we not understand there are differences and nuances? And also that's the economic re- reality that people don't understand is that most people just live in their fucking lives and aren't all consumed by religion. Most people, especially when you're brought up in it, you don't even think about it. Yeah. Like, which they don't understand. Well, that's something I've tried to explain via my podcast is that back in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan, I've lived in both countries, we're not just like walking around thinking, oh, oh, when's the the perfect time to do jihad, you know? like (laughs) It's just not, life is not like that. In fact, if you experience Ramadan in any of these countries, Ramadan is like the month where Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset and um, it's supposed to be like a holier month and people abstain from different kinds of behaviors throughout that month which i you know find pretty hypocritical like ramadan was the time where that hypocrisy used to grate on me yeah so much because people would do things like um, giving up premarital sex giving which is not you know supposed to be allowed anyway some people would give <laughs> up like just anal sex some people would give up alcohol and then they would drink like <laughs> the, the rest of the year endlessly some people would give up pot so it's like these are like modern i guess interpretations right which are silly yeah. because they don't make sense if you're actually following the religion but muslims are living in the modern world just as anyone else is and they're going to have these fuck-ups like any other theist and um, you can see that with the 9-11 terrorists, too. Didn't they find, like, receipts and stuff from, like, strip clubs that they had gone to before? <laughs> well, it's like Bin Laden's DVD stash had, like, anime and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. These are all flawed human beings, and none of them are these perfect religious robots that Sam Harris wants people to believe that Muslims are, right? And even with, like, the non-jihadists, he has these theories, like concentric circles and you know different levels of extremism even if the muslims don't support isis or jihadism then they'll support something that is close to it and then there'll be another circle of muslims that will support those extreme muslims and so everyone is holding up this structure of islamic jihad and it's like well yeah like, you can say that about all theists or even just, like, all white people. You can remove them one circle at a time from white supremacy and then say this circle supports the next one up and the next one up supports the next one up until you get up yeah. into really extreme views. Yeah, and I, I'd say, like, you know, for this Muslim stuff, it, it's just... 
it just shows back to my point about historical understanding. It's just such a lack of nuance because in, in the West we, we were bombarded with the war and terror. But like, how how would someone describe the difference between Saddam Hussein and and the Taliban, for example? Right? Like, how would your average Joe? They they couldn't. Mm-hmm. They couldn't articulate that. And I'm pretty sure Sam Harris couldn't really articulate it either. Like, how is like Arab socialist baptism? How is that different from um, Saudi Arabia? I don't mm-hmm. think they could articulate how that's different, even though like one ideology, baptism, absolutely hates Islamists. Like, look at Egypt. They use it as a justification to all this terrible shit all the time. They overthrew their own government because they said, oh, it's Islamists now, get rid of it. Because mm-hmm. they hate that. And like, it, it's like, if you said to someone in the West that some of the biggest killers of Islamic extremists are Iran and like these other, like maybe like Arab socialist style states, they'd be like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was like America or something, mm-hmm. right? But it's like they don't understand that like geopolitics or even like a ideological difference causes people to fight over each other. And I know they recognize it to some extent, um, the you know sectarian divide in, in parts of the Islamic world and stuff. But at the same time, it's just for me, it's just the lack of understanding that religion, like you were saying, is not all encompassing in these people's brain all the time. And even when it is, it's still not something that like you can like you said, can't boil them down to an Islamic jihadi robot mm-hmm. who has no thoughts, feelings, family. And and it's just something it's just something that is always extended. Like I would say, and this is actually Douglas Murray tweeted about this, they have more sympathy with Nazis who did the Holocaust and understanding than they do for a group like Hamas. I mean, they are saying that loud and clear. Douglas Murray Douglas has, Murray literally wrote an article about it. He said it repeatedly. Yeah. Douglas Murray is like a fucking fashy fuck, you know? Him getting platforms on mainstream TV in Britain is like as if, uh, what was that guy called? Anjum Chaudhry, right? You remember him? Yeah. He, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he used to get platforms, but never, like, in a non-hostile way. Like, he was always, like, the freak that was invited on. He was never, like, yeah. the respected intellectual that was embraced. So having Douglas Murray have these mainstream platforms is, like, as if Anjum Chaudhry was invited on and embraced. Like, that is how unhinged i think douglas murray is especially if you read some of his books like yeah you were quoting some of them to sam harris which was funny yeah yeah he is very very extreme and even oh yeah so you listened to um my 2016 conversation with sam recently or part of it at least yeah yeah and uh how was that listening experience yeah um as we just talked about just before it was just interesting because I think we, our evolution might be the same in that we weren't right-wing new atheist fascists who think, oh yeah, Douglas Murray's awesome because he says Islam's destroying Europe yeah. uh, with demographics. And then it's like, um, you're just challenging Sam a lot, uh, which was really funny, uh, just because he's so pally with Douglas Murray. And Sam Harris himself has a lot of fascist tendencies, I would say too, Yeah, which I know a lot of his fans probably wouldn't want to hear, but even that he he can, I mean, don't even talk about Charles Murray, but like, <laughs> even if we're um, just talking about Douglas Murray, it's like his rhetoric is so fascist, indistinguishable from the far right parties of of Western Europe, like Holland, Germany, whatever. Yeah. And the fact that he's described as reasonable or even allowed on TV to talk about it, yeah, like you're saying, it's just normalization of wh- white supremacy in our society. That even saying white genocide replacement theory is okay it's just insane and that's why sam harris i think was so defensive because i think he actually shares a lot of those views yeah and he shares them to the extreme form not not like 
this is an ideology taking over. No, like this is a demographic shift. And like European values is such a bullshit term. He was praising Trump making a speech in Poland. I made a video about this. Um where the Polish president or whatever, well, Trump was talking about the West and Europe. Wait, Sam was it, or Douglas was? Yeah, Sam, Sam was talking about it just before his conversation with Douglas Murray once. And he's talking about like, Donald Trump making this speech about Europe um, surviving in Poland. And I'm like, Donald Trump, who's a fascist, making a speech in a country at that time yeah. that was run by a far-right party, talking about Europe's will to survive. Like, the far-right in Europe has more in common with a lot of Islamist groups than it does with a lot of yeah. left-wing Europeans, right? And if we talk about progressive values of, like, LGBT-friendly or whatever secular values, the far-right don't want that. Yeah. The far-right, and it's like right now you're seeing in America, a lot of far-right conservatives are saying we should ally with Muslims because they view Muslims yes. as backwards. And they're like, let's, let's join together. As is perfectly encapsulated with Andrew Tate's conversion. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, I'm, I'm converting because I'm misogynistic and I want to be violent. Um, and to a lot of conservatives in America, they're like, oh, hell yeah. And they've been praising the Taliban, saying at least they know what a woman is and like shit like that. Like, and, and that's, and, and also what gave me red flags, what Sam Harris was saying, he said this a lot, that the United States is in a better position because it has a massive ocean between it and the Middle East. Yeah. And it's like, I remember. But that. then it's also to me, it's like, don't you live in America where they fear monger about the Mexican stuff all yeah. the time, doing the exact same thing? And I was like, so. You might be happy because you personally hate Muslims or Mexicans, but a lot of conservatives are saying the exact same shit Douglas Murray says about Muslims, about Mexicans and Central American and South American immigrants. So yeah. it's like, it, it was insane. It's just like, oh no, I hate Muslims. I'm glad they can't come here in massive numbers. And, and to me, it's like the refugee thing is so frustrating because this argument seems to be catching on a lot more about the incompatibility and everything. And it's like, oh, so let's select fascist then who actually are just like the people, like the stereotypical view of an Islamist. They're very similar. Let's mm-hmm. elect them to keep, keep the Islamists. It's like, not, like, for me, it's so frustrating because obviously the refugee thing can be dealt with and it should be. And it's so much a result of Western policy as well. Yeah. But to Sam Harris, it's like, nah, let Israel bomb the shit out of all these countries. Let's go. I don't know what he said recently about Yemen, but I imagine he supports the bombing of Yemen as well. Let's create a massive refugee crisis. And then when they come to like uh, Western Europe looking for a home, let's also elect fascists to brutalize them at the same time. It's like yeah. their, their worldview is so inc- like not compassionate and, and it's just so xenophobic and fascist. And it's amazing that this is supposedly a movement that became popular because of the US government using religion to go fascist itself in like the early 2000s. Mm. Well, even as an ex-Muslim, I always like, I'm still an ex-Muslim, but I don't like, you know, embrace that movement <laughs> at all. But even back in my like fully new atheist days, I found it inconsistent in the sense that you want ex-Muslims you want people to have the freedom to leave religion, and yet you are turning away people that are fleeing from that violence, from that religious authoritarianism, and yeah. you want to keep turning them away on the basis of religion. Like, it just didn't add up for me. And yeah. Of no, course, he I, would say, well, no, if we knew that they were all Ayan Hirsi Ali's, or, you know, it's like Ayan Hirsi Ali, you mean the fun, fundy... Christian weirdo now. <laughs> like. Yeah. And and it's just like um it's just never applied. It's like how much uh, you know, you, you can literally be American, go over and fight for Israel, do the genocide and come home. And it's like, oh, but that's okay. But if you're a poor person from Libya, you know, trying to escape either religious violence, um, factional violence, it's like now nah, like 
don't come in because you might, I don't know, create a caliphate in America or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it comes to people like Ilhan Omar or Sadiq Khan, they will never, ever support them being, you know, or be happy that they're completely non-Islamist and they're liberal or progressive or support the things that these people claim to support. They will always find reasons to tear them down, you know? Yeah, and it's just like you can never be good enough for these new atheists, and that's why... Not as a Muslim, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of why... Because the thing is, you could be some radical anti-Muslim communist, but if you wore a hijab, they would still say, like, oh, you're still, like, bad for the West? Like, it's really not about anything you believe. And Ilhan Omar could say... Well, she says a lot of stuff about Saudi Arabia anyway, but it's like yeah. she she could say everything they want and a reform Muslim to say, and they'd never accept her because she's visibly, uh, in their mind, a Muslim. And while they insist that we're not anti-Muslim, we're anti-Islam. Yeah, it's about the ideology and not the people. But except, I mean, it is about the people. <laughs> yeah, it, I'd say it's primarily about the color of their skin. At yeah. This point. As much as they deny it. Like, I mean, Sam Harris is still, in this time, putting out podcasts about, like, how Islamophobia is not real. I mean, you can have, like, issues with the word, and I know that I don't love it when Muslim conservatives weaponize that word any more than I love it when, uh, you know, Israel defenders weaponize anti-Semitism. Yeah. But they're not consistent on that either. But, like, to say that it's not real when you know that... It refers to anti-Muslim bigotry and violence. To say that it's not real in a time where, you know, people are dehumanizing Muslims in Palestine and slaughtering them, <laughs> it's yeah. really very blatant yeah. and ludicrous. And that that's what, like, gets me just about the whole movement, because the Islamophobia thing was a convenient thing to hide behind in, like, 2015, when this, like, insane hysteria about refugees started. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't be so ignorant to think that we're saying your your criticism of Islam is inherently racist. It's, no, it's you've racialized Muslim. That's why Sikh people get attacked in anti-Islam yes. attacks. It's because you've racialized what a Muslim is, because no one's gonna gonna beat the shit out of a of a Muslim Thai immigrant to the UK because they don't visibly look what is perceived to be Muslim. No one's gonna attack like Malaysian Muslims or Indonesian Muslims unless you know for it, other reasons they might, but yeah, not for they might for anti-Asian things. So you yeah. understand that like what a Muslim is is either a Central Asian, um, a South Asian, like like typically man but a woman as well if they're mm -hmm. wearing something like a headdress or mm -hmm. niqab and stuff and then also arabs and north africans right mm -hmm. so it's this you know view of, of just what a muslim is like it's not happened to chechens even if i told you they were muslim like or like let's say a chechen who isn't as visibly muslim so like it's like it's all about skin color and uh, just generally hostility towards arabs and north africans and south asians and it's just like they can keep denying it, but that's why their movement has no legitimacy because you can still, you can be a massive critique of Islam. And that's why if I wanted to be an anti-Islam content creator, I'd focus on things like Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, Pakistan and stuff. I wouldn't focus on um, the Pakistani, Persian or um, Saudi community in the UK so much because it's like, you understand what you're doing there is like a is like a power imbalance, and when mm -hmm. you're attacking the Saudis and their ideology, that's attacking the powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like for me, they have no sense of proportion, and 
the fact that they're targeting refugees out of everyone just mm-hmm. shows like just shows that that reveals their true colors and but the thing is i don't know because i i'm i'm left wing now so it's like my le- the leftist community is very diverse especially in terms of religion as well so i don't know if if there's any like liberals or leftists who still even support sam harris but i'd be surprised if they could really reconcile it you, I think you have to be at least very conservative now to follow these people or, or just extremely racist. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that they uh, rationalize it is that they're heterodox or, you know, uh, they just have an open mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, know. I, I, have heard, I have heard people like that. It's like people listen to Joe Rogan and then because they don't have critical thinking, they listen to everyone. They just have absolutely incoherent politics because it's like, if you listen to every, well, also now with Joe Rogan, it is you probably have very right wing politics. But in the back mm-hmm. in the day, it was like if you have, you know, if you have Sam Harris, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, even though they're similar, it's like one's an atheist versus one's like a massive orthodox Zionist Jew. It's like mm-hmm. you're not going to have the exact same views. But nowadays, it's like they all united, didn't they? The new atheists mm-hmm. with the intellectual dark like, over the issue of Islam. They all united yes. like we hate Muslims, so let's join together to talk about how much we hate Muslims. Um, yes. Let's leave the religious thing for like westerners aside they did such a good well what they thought was a good bait and switch with that too eh? like they're like look at us we're such a diverse group of people that can uh you know talk across the aisle with each other and have differences of opinion yet the only thing they talked about was (laughs) how much they hate the left and how much they hate islam so i mean they can brag about how ben shapiro's religious and sam harris is an atheist but there's no friction there because they're not discussing that. So yeah, they're talking about cancel culture, woke left, yeah. and um, trans people, feminists. Yeah, and is Islam destroying Europe? Like that—that's yeah. what unites them. So, and that's why, like, the full circle of starting off hating conservative religious people to yes. then them becoming your biggest allies is just so funny. Yes. I mean, I remember thinking like when Ayan Hirsi Ali, before she converted a couple of years ago, uh, I mean, I had already thought she was ridiculous. She was claiming that, uh, you know, you, the U S was falling to Sharia law and BLM was similar to ISIS because they both have chance, something ridiculous like that. <laughs> So she would talk about like how she is like a woman's rights activist or whatever. And, you know, in the context that, you know, she left Islam, she let go of her job, and now she fights for like other women to do the same. But all her politics was about like, oh my God, black and brown men are coming to Europe to rape white women. And why isn't me too basically categorized on race like she had these weird issues where she was trying to make it sound feminist but it was absolutely right-wing as fuck like she wanted like these me too racial (laughs) categorizations like why aren't we talking about how many how many black men or how many brown men are doing me too type things why like she wanted to racialize that discussion. Just very, very creepy and unfeminist of her. Yeah, and also this is something that gets me as well. So, I'm, I'm to make make it clear to the audience um, who might not know the difference. So, um, when we say progressive, generally a lot of things fall under that umbrella. So, you could be like a liberal, mm-hmm. and you could be like a communist. So, I'm I'm a communist. So, mm-hmm. this is where I'm coming from. 
there's there is this is what they capitalize on there is something in liberal feminism and liberal identity politics mm-hmm. um which is very surface level so this is this is the problem so um a liberal feminist might act like islam is great for women's rights or something like mm. generally religion is great for women's rights i've seen this a lot yeah, yeah where, i've seen that yeah, too where a left-wing person would say is that i recognize that but it's also not really my place in terms of like, for example, let's say where I grew up in London, if there are problems with me too in the Muslim community, that's for them to figure out because me going in there as like, like a white Westerner and being like, sort your shit out, you misogynistic Arabs. <laughs> it, it's not going to do anything. You've got to like empower the people in those communities itself who are changing the conversation. And it's a slow process. I get it. But what liberals often do is like, Oh, you can't, you know, they're more like, oh, no, it's actually great. You can't criticize it. Where left-wing people are more like, no, you just have to realize the dynamics there that you can't just go into these communities. And that's what they prey on is like liberals sometimes are quite hesitant. And I think maybe you feel like this as well because of like your attraction to new atheism as a progressive person. Liberals can be quite hesitant to deal with more controversial issues because what you're seeing right now is a lot of liberals support Israel or take yes, both sides yes, yes. because they're terrified of being called an anti-Semite. Because um, the worst thing for a liberal is to be called a racist or an anti-Semite. So the Labour Party in the UK right now basically calling for genocide because they're terrified of being called an anti-Semite because they've whipped that up for years in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for liberals, they're scared of that. And that's where the, where the right wing often come in or like contrarian IDW types like, oh, you you liberals, you care about women's rights so much? What about these Muslim men? And it's like, we, yeah. we, we, re- we recognise that different cultures might be more conservative or have these things but like it's like in japan japan is is further behind than the uk on this me too stuff right it's like i'm not gonna go over there and start like being like oh japanese men you are misogynist it's like no you you have that you help them have that conversation maybe but it's like you kind of nothing is going to change with your like white input in these countries yeah you can't barge in and do it for for another culture well, yeah i've been seeing this when Israel goes in, does a genocide and starts waving a rainbow flag, how do you think conservative Muslims are going to feel about LGBT people? Right. It, it's like it, that, that. It's kind of like this, like woke, and I use this in like more like the right wing's understanding of it. Like, oh, like, and this is the whole thing of Israel. I would even go as far as to call it like woke fascism. Is that like it's like oh, we support progressive things. So let us do genocide or we support progressive <laughs> things. Let me have fascist immigration policies. And that's what they advocate right. for. And, and that how they use it against liberals is like, well, if you're a liberal, why would you want illiberal people to come to the UK? And that, that's, that's where they get, that's where they get people. Like, again, I'm a left wing person. I support all these like causes for equality, but I think liberals paint themselves into a little hole sometimes, especially like things like Israel, where it's like, well, if you're progressive, why don't you support Jews or why don't you support LGBT in Israel? Like Hamas it hates gay people. And that's where, that, again, that's how the IDW come in sometimes and like infect these places because it's like, oh, well, if you were so progressive, you'd support us. And that, that's where, like, for me personally as well, my journey with atheism is like, I don't ever see liberalism as a good thing to oppose like covert fascists in the new atheist movement because they just don't have an answer or they're more similar than they'd like to admit. And that's why I think like the person you were saying, when she says that stuff, a lot of liberals are like, oh shit, like maybe she's right. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah, yeah. realizing that, like, oh no, like you have to realize so many different dynamics at play. Yes. And 
the invasion of Afghanistan was justified as a, an invasion for women's rights. Yes. While yes. the West funded rapists and it completely ignored the Afghan women's movement. And also, what did they do in the 80s when Afghan had a communist government with the best women's rights um, in their history? It like funded Islamic extremists. So it's like, yeah. you have to realize these things can't be done in the way you think. It can't be like, you know, support Israel and everyone. And if they Israel funded Hamas too, right? Like Netanyahu, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. supported Hamas, and it just it. And yeah, as I was saying about Ayan Hirsi Ali, so she would do this whole "I'm a feminist fighter" thing, and then the next day she's on like Jordan Peterson's podcast, and it's like, <laughs> you are crazy! Like, who is falling for this? Like, how can you believe that this misogynist like? absolutely unhinged incel lobster king has anything to do with feminism you cannot go on his show and talk about how concerned you are about women's rights or me too like this is the guy that thinks women are hypocrites if they wear high heels or makeup and don't want to be sexually harassed exactly. this is a guy that thinks women should stay home and have babies this is what you supposedly left islam because of right yeah. it just makes no sense well that's because they associate that's what i was saying earlier they associate islam with the backward stuff but they will support people who would agree with the like the conservative muslims or more things than you and that's what i mean it's like they see anti-feminism as muslim refugees and not fascists getting into power and criminalizing like loads of stuff, right? We've seen it in the UK as we slide backwards on a lot of this stuff. It's like the the talking about European values while emboldening fascists to crack down on LGBT people and um, migrants is like, well, what are we doing? Like, what are we protecting then? What we want we want to become just like all these other countries and allegedly all these people who have backwards values. We're just going to become that then to stop them. Like, it, it's just in, insane logic, even if it was, like, true. But obviously, we know it's mm-hmm. a lot of it for them is just, like, cultural power grab. Yeah. And that's, again, why the new atheism thing, for me, like, kind of the atheism thing, I am still an atheist. I still think religion yeah. is bullshit. And, like, you know, I, but I'm not going to die on that hill anymore because it's, like, yeah. I'm watching all this stuff be swept in and yes. religion really doesn't really factor in. Like, in the UK, is a very secular country. There's nothing religious really going on right now that is putting our country in danger it's, it's just secular fascists doing it and they're using like how the new atheist movement use it they use liberal identity politics against people like the conservative party in our country are saying look we got the most diverse cabinet ever well great i got, um, <laughs> I, got I got an indian hindu making my life worse now instead of a white christian it's like it it, it really doesn't fucking matter but the, but the conservatives in the idw they celebrate that like look yes. we are progressive we are diverse let's just keep out the Muslims. And you, I think you made a podcast on this, but I didn't, I didn't listen to this one, but you know, also Indian Hindus do have this element of a, a fascist ideology as well. Oh yes. Stemming from Modi's BJP party. So it's yes. like, it's, it, it's like, yeah, you can all unite. Like you can unite with the, you know, Zionist Jews. You can unite that you hate, you hate brown people and you hate uh, um, Muslims as well in, 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 for Indians. Yeah. Obviously not all Indian Hindus. It's an absolute massive country. But I mean, the dominant party right now is the BJP and um, Hindu nationalism and stuff. So it's like, you know, that that's what you have to realize. is, And that's why it's so frustrating. I, I tweeted this the other day. I can't believe how how insane the West has gone for Muslim blood again. And yeah. since it, it felt like, you know, because you're making content near this time. Like 2014 was the last time it felt like this with ISIS and like the French terror attacks and stuff like that. 
And then before that, it was like the war on terror. And also with Trump. Yeah, because but that's that's so funny as well. Trump doesn't talk about Islam ever anymore. Not anymore, like, but he was all about the Muslim ban once upon a yeah, time. Exactly. But now, when's the last time he spoke about Muslims? <laughs> like, like I don't know, six years ago. Mm. It's just like maybe. maybe because the thing is, like, because the Saudis are his pals, aren't they? So it's like he doesn't want to say too much shit about them. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating for me because I feel like politics is becoming such a mess. And, and like we were saying with the with the IDW, just like this fake progressivism, and it's just like how how do you untangle that for your average person? How do you like explain this to people? And that's why I'm I'm pretty doom appealed about the world because I'm just like I'm just watching this anti-Islam or like hidden. I say it's just anti-refugee sentiment. It's like, how, how do you even stop this? Because it just feels like it's just completely dominating elite Western politics at the moment. And I feel like the atheists love that. Yeah, and the only way it stops is if they have another target. Like, that hasn't stopped either. But their target was trans people and queer people as a whole, and they were trying to roll back their rights. Like, And they are rolling back rights. And, yeah. I mean, that was when talking about Muslims was at a minimum uh, only because they had another minority to hurt and marginalize. And yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's like the same, the same hate. It just shifts targets. Yeah. And also just keeps coming back. It's like in the 1990s and 80s, it's gay people. In the 2000s, it's Muslims. Has a little bit of a break for a while. Then mid 2000s, it's Muslims again. Yeah. Mid 2010s, I mean, and then it has a little break. And then now mid 2020s, it's back again in full force because of the Israel stuff. So it's like, do we not learn our lessons that, like, we, you know, the US literally became a surveillance state using whipping up anti Islam hysteria? And it's like, you know, Trump comes in, says he was against the Iraq war and all that stuff. And it's like, but you don't, you don't learn your lesson. So now no. they're using it again to like, just have these, you know, fascist governments like Western Europe is literally all going insane anti-refugee fascist. The UK is using this rhetoric as well. And it's, it's insane to me how, you know, now the far right parties in 2015, their ideology is literally mainstream, like centrist now. And, and that's why yeah. it's so, and although like, you know, me, me and you and others like us can laugh at like how, I, I don't know if he's irrelevant, but like Sam Harris, like, oh, like the heyday is gone. At the same time, the bad thing is all his, all his views about Muslims are becoming so normalized yes. and, it, it, and not that he played a massive role in that, but it's like. He did on the intellectual arm, you know, he did to like give it legitimacy, you know, he, he. Yeah added this veneer of rationality to white nationalist talking points. Yeah, but, but especially yeah, like especially back in the day, 20, 2014 to 17, maybe he was relevant. I would just say to me, he's become increasingly irrelevant, maybe because he, he's become sick of everyone else in that movement. Like he obviously cut ties with a lot of them. But at the same time, like he wins the war in that his views on Islam are just the norm. Like yeah. our opposition leader in the UK is promising, oh, um, you know, the conservatives are bad because they're not deporting people fast enough. And if I'm prime minister, I will deport them even quicker. And it's like, oh, nice. I'll stop the boats and the refugees. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what I was worried about most. I'm happy you'll do fascism better than, than the Tory party. <laughs> so it's just like, for me, that's why it's depressing. Cause it's like, and, and probably for you as well, like, you know, you live in Canada right now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously Canada is probably going to go that way as well. Yeah. I mean, Trudeau is fucking done. Like, yeah. And it's just like, what, what, 
that's why it's so depressing because it's like we we've been listening to these arguments for so long and like you've been even talking to people who make them and then now they're fading into the background it's like oh but now literally every single fucking politician is saying the exact same shit they were saying and like you're saying douglas murray should be treated like a muslim how muslim extremists are seen on mainstream tv but he's treated like the most rational guy ever who saw it coming basically yeah 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 i mean even as he's like talking about how civilians what are civilians in the palestinian context like we didn't worry about that when we were bombing germany yeah do you know how many decades ago that was douglas murray and we should have worried more people should have worried more about it if they did not worry that is not something to hold up as a standard and it's also um like for context as well um the northern irish catholic population were never seen as guilty for the IRA as Palestinians are seen for Hamas. Mm-hmm. Even Palestinians in West Bank who don't support Hamas or live under their control are seen as completely complicit in everything they do. Where I always say to people, imagine the U- the UK bombing Belfast tower blocks mm-hmm. after an IRA attack. You couldn't imagine it. Yeah. Because they wouldn't do that to white people. As much as I- English people hate Irish people, they wouldn't do that like fucking millions of Irish Americans who wouldn't stand for that. And obviously like Joe Biden was influential back then and lots of Irish, Irish politicians. It's like, no one would have stood for that. If, if England started doing that in the nineties or the eighties to Northern Irish Catholics, there would be an absolutely international outcry and there would have been something done about it as well. America would have said to the UK, like stop this right now. Um, And it's, and what they did, this is what Israel has been doing. The strategy is you keep doing it for years slowly. Yes, so it's normalized. Yeah, but what's depressing now is like they they're not doing it slowly, and people still support it. Yeah, and and that's why it's kind of like that shows the racism in that. Yeah, I understand when you have conflicts like this. Sometimes you can keep uh, just doing it slowly and slowly, like with Ireland um, for centuries or Northern Ireland for like uh, decades. But then w- with Northern Ireland, I know for a fact that America would not have stood for a mass bombing of civilians. And can you imagine like 30,000, you know, 20,000 dead yeah, no. uh, humanitarian d- disaster in Ireland? Like, it would not have been allowed to happen. And, yeah. and it's the same in the past. It's like, why did, um, you know, the United States and NATO bomb uh, like Serbia, but they didn't do anything in Rwanda? It's like, it's all mm-hmm. because, and I made a video about this movie called The Creator, which I feel plays into this trope. Non-Western white lives are worth less And it's also seen as a normal state of being in other parts of the world where slaughter of thousands is seen as a normal part of life. Yes, yes. it's never been more obviously apparent than it is currently. And that's what's so depressing is like, how how can you argue about this? Like, we don't care when there's genocide in other parts of the world. When like, look at the Rohingya stuff. Who cares about that? Like, no one cares about that. Like, no one gives a shit. Um, but when China are persecuting like like Uyghur Muslims and stuff, everyone's calling that genocide and mass killing and like the Holocaust. But when Israel are literally like confirmed to have killed like tens of thousands of people, that's okay. And it just shows you like the weaponization of caring about human rights, caring about religion, caring about everything. It's all okay. And obviously with the Rohingya Muslims, aren't they? And yeah. it was being persecuted by Buddhists. So that's that's fine, <laughs> like that's okay because we hate Muslims more than we ha- we hate yeah. Buddhists. And stuff. Yeah. So like it, it, that's why it's just so black pilling for me and doomer pilling. And I have a lot like because at the same time is hypocrisy is nothing new, but when it rules your world with this yes. hypocrisy, and and the Ukraine thing is a stark thing as well. Like yes. Ukrainian refugees come yeah. in, uh, 
everyone who looks Muslim stay out. And it's like, well, do you remember the rhetoric on the news around that time? Like, I can't believe yeah, this is happening. Civilized, yes. civilized, civilized Ukrainians. And it's like, well, oh, oh no, Iraq's not civilized. Actually, the one of the oldest countries in the entire planet, like mm. <laughs> the oldest civilization in, in Iraq. Now that's not civilized because Middle East is so used to conflict. And that's what I mean. Like, um, have you read, read uh, Edward Said's like Orientalism? Not in full, but parts. Yeah, even just the start of it, it, it describes it so well in terms of like how we view these things. Is that like how people are taught about certain places becomes their whole view of it, and through like you know movies, news, propaganda, the Middle yeah. East and North Africa is seen as a place of just constant warfare between insurgents and Muslim extremists, and that's most people's understanding of it. Yeah. Like most people do not, and that's what I said to you earlier. Is like no one understands the difference between Hamas, Al Qaeda, ISIS, Saddam Hussein, Taliban. Doesn't it, it, there is no difference in in the Western imagination to any of these things, or and even the it, countries themselves, right? Forget yeah, even these groups. Yeah. It's a exactly. flattening of the whole region. It's like Arabs, right? Exactly, and people don't know who who our friends are. Like you know, Egypt and Morocco are massively in best bed with America. And it's like, do people know that? It's like, no, it's like, literally, it, does, it doesn't matter to most people. And that's why for me, like, I get quite depressed about this stuff because it's just like, and that's why I dedicate my channel a lot to education mm-hmm. and like trying to, trying to inform people about the nuances because I'm just so sick of this. And also it infects left-wing spaces because yes. liberals... Like, I don't know if you've seen it maybe in your own, like, social media bubble. You think some people are all right, and then Israel does this, and they're all talking about how Hamas won't stop until there's a genocide of Israel, so they must do it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I thought you were, like, for human rights or whatever, but now you're supporting an actual genocide because you can find a boogeyman like Hamas. Or even the silence, honestly. There was a lot of... Yeah, you you said that in your... We can talk about that, actually, if you want. Yeah, yeah. You said that in your last podcast, or not the last one, but the last one I I listened to, the New Year's one. Yeah. Basically, I just did, like, a little reflections and thoughts on New Year's Eve kind of episode, and... I was just like talking about how disorienting this whole thing has been for me, though even like I've known that Israel has been oppressing Palestinians for for years, forever. Like I knew it wasn't good, but just the extent of it, it seems unfathomable to me. And I've always grown up thinking that, you know, countries like Afghanistan, countries like Saudi Arabia where I grew up, those are the worst possible uh, oppressive conditions for a population and it's just not the. i mean it's bad of course that's bad too but they aren't like pouring concrete in water wells they're not like controlling people from like collecting rainwater. Yeah. um there are streets that are only for israeli citizens to drive on people's like doors are welded shut so they have to like leave from their back windows because they can't walk on certain streets and you know through controlling what is imported they have like banned chocolate surfboards uh, cilantro or coriander as you might call it um just like little candy like it blows my mind to think about this kind of control and oppression on a population for decades. And they've been trying to tell us, and we just, it's been so suppressed, as we're seeing even now. Like, it's only trickles of information that get out, and you're like, 
does this even really sound true? And, you know, a lot of times I'd be like, yeah, I'm sure it's bad, but like, come on, that's, that can't be, that can't be for real. And now I look into it and it's for real. And I'm just, it's so disorienting. And the fact that all these left-wing creators, left-tubers, podcasters, these disinformation debunkers, right? People that talk about um, conspiracy theories or cult mentalities even. Like they could be using their platforms to talk about the cult of Zionism. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They could be using it to debunk the weird Hollywood conspiracy theories. The fact that even people holding up their babies are told are published in uh, Israeli newspapers to be holding up plastic dolls. Yeah. And the people that are so like pro talking about anyone who's gone anti-vax, which is, you know, genuinely a great thing usually. But if you only, only, only focus on anti-vaxxers in the context of COVID, and you're not talking about how people are using this con, well, feel stupid to call it a conflict, but this genocide, um, to say that they intentionally want to bring disease to the region and cause epidemics for the Palestinians. Like those people are all silent. People who watch fascism, who watch far right, they don't say anything about this. Yeah. And, and for me personally, I mean, I don't mind calling that by name on this podcast because (laughs) I like normally I don't do it it on my channel so much because I don't want to like it become like a, a parasocial fan things. Right. Right. Audience. This is different, but yeah, like, um, you've interviewed like H bomber guy, I think mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, obviously I said, saw that you were saying about like contrapoids philosophy mm-hmm. tube. And the problem is, is, um, for me personally, as someone who is in that community, um, you have the difference between lib leftist and actual leftist and leftists are generally anti-imperialist. But I think we're talking about the identity politics stuff of liberalism. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these people might subscribe to that in that. Oh, well, because a lot of them are, are, are gay or LGBT or whatever. And to them, the argument of, oh, well, Hamas would kill you is like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like, oh, maybe that's, that is something that I need to consider. But also, like, you know, with that, that, the H-bomber one was annoying because he was like, oh, I don't have anything to say about it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then people called him out. And now he tweets about it all the time. Does and he? Like, yeah, he do- if you go on his profile go after this, he tweets about it all the time. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, try and shame him more for doing it. But it's like, well, well, you could have done that then. Whereas you do seem to know a fair bit about it. So why didn't? You, but then you're saying also, his platform is so massive. Why don't you use your platform to help a bit more? Like your Twitter is all well and good, yeah. but why don't why don't you actually make a video on this? Um, mm-hmm. Imagine how much good that could do. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I think what happens is like his producer called me like a, a fucker on Twitter or something because I I called him out, but I focused on the money angle. I said you make thirty thousand dollars a month. Mm. Um, and I, and like you were saying, if you if you are a principled left wing person, you should feel passionate about using your platform to help. Mm-hmm. Like I know I know it can be insignificant, but like I felt like I should say something. I, I, but the thing is, I've been speaking about this for for years anyway, so it's easy for me. But at the same time, I felt like I've got to keep talking about this. And even now, like I haven't my I made a video a week ago about it, but not so much. Really, and I'm thinking like, I got to keep talking about this. But you should feel that. But then so many people. Um, who make videos about, okay, let, you know, it's important topics. Let's say like the plagiarism video for H. Brother guy recently, that's important. But at the same time, it's like, 
people get so riled up about that. It's like, here's another thing that you should talk about. And and he's not the only one. And at least he's tweeting about it. Loads of people have said nothing. Um, mm-hmm. They're so scared of like their audience leaving them, or maybe yes. they actually hold some sort of sympathy for Israel. And maybe they're infected with anti-Muslim bigotry as well, where they don't actually want to side. And they think they're going to be siding with Hamas or something. And you see this with celebrities as well. Um, like people might play, I've played the video game, the last of us part two, the creator is, um, grew up as an Israeli revisionist settler. And his message of the game is basically about Israel, Palestine. It's a bit of a liberal Zionist messages message, but it's kind of about like how this violence is never going to help anyone. And then he comes out and supports Israel. Right. And now everyone fucking hates him. Um, but because he's left wing. So like, that's what I think people are scared of because like you will, I wouldn't call it cancelled, but left-wing people expect left-wing people to actually have like left-wing politics. So if right. you have this re- reactionary take on Palestine, then you, they are scared of that. And that's why deep down, I hope they just feel like they can't talk about it because they don't know enough, which is a shitty excuse, but one I can understand a bit more. And I really mm-hmm. hope it's not that actually a lot of them d- maybe don't support Israel, but they kind of want to be a centrist about it. Like, oh, Hamas say this, Israel say this, they're both as bad as each other, free Palestine from Hamas and all that shit that you see sometimes. And it's like, um, yeah, like being in this community itself, like I couldn't believe some people who didn't speak about it, especially because so many of them had huge platforms and way mm-hmm. bigger than me. And it's like, you could actually help. And that's why I appreciate um, Hassan Piker yeah. dedicating so much of his Twitch stream. Like, I don't care, like, you know, regardless of what you think of him, that's all, all, you know, whatever. But at the same time, he's dedicated so much of his time bringing on like anti-Zionist Israelis, mm-hmm. bringing on like, like that guy who dodged the draft and stuff and went to prison. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's how you use your massive platform and don't give a shit about like the consequences. And that's what more people should do. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you're saying, it shakes your faith a bit in that, oh, like, hate bomber guy, you're calling out the anti-vaxxers. How how wonderful. But can you, can you not make a tiny little video on this, maybe, just to point people in, like, a certain direction? So, yeah, I, I, I get your frustration massively because they make their money off us, like, general left-wing consumers. Then they get their voice from us. But a lot of us, not me or you, because we have mm-hmm. our platforms, but a lot of people who support them don't have a voice, like, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And you can be their voice, but you don't feel any responsibility, especially when you grow up in... Canada, America, or the UK, where your taxes are literally funding this genocide mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel no responsibility to call it out. So yeah, I totally got your frustration as well. And I'm just happy that like I'm happy a lot of people were pressured into saying something. But then some of the pa- weird parasocial element of like I had people I made a video called Calling Out Terrible Terrible Liberal Takes and I called out H Bubba Guy. And so many people in the comments were like, oh my God, like purity testing leftists you just want everyone to think like you and it's like no he's left wing he should say something you know he he's he's the biggest creator in our space and he didn't want to say anything so it's mm-hmm. like what what good are you in the left wing space if there's a genocide happening and you're too scared to say something about it yeah and, and that's that's what like you were getting at as well and it's just like very frustrating um, but it's still a thing because there's still lots of people who haven't said anything. Yeah, I mean, I am looking at a lot of like podcast creators because we're more like in the same space, and I just I can't believe it. If you care about disinformation, it's happening right in front of you right now. It's a bunch of Israel-sponsored disinformation on a daily basis, and yeah on like your YouTube adverts, on um, Twitter adverts, you're getting all these insane IDF posts and stuff, like IDF TikTok. So it's just like, yeah, like what, why do you feel no responsibility to it? And it's a complex thing of like why they don't. I don't know these people personally. But yeah, you think uh, like 
it's just, that's another thing. It's just like people are so clear about Ukraine, who's the baddie. Yeah. And they'll do it so much that they'll excuse, like we were talking about this in the DMs about the mm-hmm. Canada Nazi stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Canada Ukrainian Nazi stuff, where they actually dismiss any concerns about giving weapons to Ukrainian Nazis, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, they might be bad, but they're fighting for Ukrainian freedom, so that's all good. But when it comes to Palestine, it's like, yeah, like, oh, because of Hamas, every Palestinian is guilty by association, so I can't really say anything about that. It's like, the framework of, and the thing is, Palestine is far worse than Ukraine, because they don't have a proper, like, military to defend themselves, anyway. Ukraine have a very modern military that, although suffered, like, massive casualties, it's still being pumped full of money by the United States. Like, it has support, right? What does Palestine have? Nothing. They they don't even have food and water right now. And and also, because of, like, it's not just their fault, but because of the US domination of the region, all the neighbouring Arab countries, or just the powerful Arab countries, they barely do anything either, because... like the saudi government egyptian government Uh, the only the only ones who do anything are iran and iran's allies but at the same time they don't do much because they don't want probably a war with the Mm -hmm. united states and israel Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like it's framed then as like they're the rogue states like they're bad and and if and if they're supporting hamas right now or the palestinians and they're they're all bad like they said i think netanyahu said yesterday didn't he say we're not going to listen to the Hague or the Axis of Evil. Yes, they, they won't. Yeah. The, the Hague won't stop me, says the yeah. guy not doing genocide totally. True. That was like a tweet that I yeah. saw. It was... And it's such a throwback. Axis of Evil was the name for Iran, Iraq, North yes. Korea, uh, Libya, and I don't know if Syria was in it at the time. I don't think it was. But it's just like lumping all these countries together as they all want the exact same thing. Like Hamas... Like historically, yeah, they do get funding from Iran, but not just exclusively Iran. Even the Saudis covertly used to fund them and stuff. So it's like, it, it's like we were saying earlier, it's a complex thing. You can't boil it down to access of evil, want Israel gone, we are good, Western values, European values, all that shit. Like it's just, but then, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's just the point in where people, and may, maybe the dis, disinformation works. Maybe they are confused, and which is a shitty thing because they seem smart, yeah. but it's like maybe they are confused by like, oh, you know, do you remember the, the dead babies thing, which just seems so insane on the surface? But the, then all the, the, 40, nutri- the 40 beheaded babies? Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. this is so, and that's what I mean with the, the racism as well. This is such an insane thing. Like, if they found a dead baby, or even they found many dead babies, it's like, uh, like obviously I could believe that. When you start talking about 40 de- decapitated babies, I'm like, that is so insane. Like, do you think they're all like, like bloodthirsty Satanists or something? Like, what ritualistically killing? But it's like, no. Oh, don't insult the Satanists now. <laughs> I mean, like, that's another boogeyman for Christians. Yeah. It's like, for me, it was like, I can totally believe they killed babies when you start talking about 40 beheaded babies. I'm a bit yeah. like, that doesn't sound true, does it? And it's yeah. like, you're, not, you're relying on my racism to make me believe that these people were just out for blood and they can't be reasoned with. Because that's the, that's the point of the propaganda is that they can't be reasoned with, so we must bomb all of them until they're gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you were saying, it's a frustrating time to be left-wing creator. But thankfully, like, you know, one thing that was good, I did see, and like you acknowledged as well in your video, there's lots of people who did do a lot of good stuff as well, um, which you expect, but, you know, you can't, as we were saying, you can't rely on that all the time. Yeah, it would just, it would be now, like, just if anyone is listening, now would be the time to use whatever platform you have and uh, just speak up against it. I mean, I just, I can't see why as a left-wing creator you wouldn't. 
or yeah. even just as a casual tweeter, why you wouldn't just tweet about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it, that was the strangest part. Some some creators that I follow and I've even collabed with, I was t- watching their Twitter when this happened. I'm like, do you live in like a different universe or something? Like, how are you tweeting about football right now and you haven't said anything about Israel? <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. How can you be? So, uh, and I guess, like, I understand, I, you know. I wouldn't call them grifters like the IDW. I do think there are left-wing people who are very careful about cultivating a certain image. And I think talking about Palestine, obviously, if you're American as well, where most people support Israel overwhelmingly. It's controversial. So, yeah. Because yeah. in our head, it's not controversial. Yeah. Um, but because if you have principles, it's not controversial. But if maybe... I, I also think some people fall into left-wing in the into the community a bit. Like they didn't plan on becoming part of it, but they become part of it. And maybe they're not as sure in their own politics. Mm. And then you're confronted by the ugly reality of this. And like I was even saying about, about um, liberals with, with Islam as well. It's like, you're confronted with, Oh, this Muslim man is saying this. And maybe Muslims really do or hate women. And it's like, you have to be smart enough to realize like what's going on there. But a lot of people fall for it, I think. And that's why, the Israeli propaganda, I think, can work on on even left left leaning people as well. Mm. But you know, one thing that I feel has equipped me to see through that Israeli propaganda has been my experience with the IGW and New yeah. Atheism because they've used a lot of those talking points themselves, right? Like the flattening, first of all, of all Muslims into just like you know, one stereotypical group and also the yeah. fear-mongering tactics. It's the same. It's like, oh, they're all rapists. They're this, they're that. Like, we've had experience with that. So you can see through that. And I know that some of the left tubers also came through new atheism and started to see the bullshit in that yeah. too. So I don't know how you can not see the bullshit in Israeli propaganda. I really think that once you're a big enough name it maybe is just hard to talk about extremely controversial things. Yeah. And like, it's like some of them just become so mainstream, like H-Bomber guy, ContraPoints and Philosophy Tube. Their mm-hmm. appeal isn't just left-wing people. And I think they must know that as well. Philosophy Tube is also, she's an actress as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, if you start talking about really in detail Israeli stuff, then that is just which is bizarre in the UK because I I think most people want to ceasefire at least. And it's like, well, you can't talk about that because you might get in trouble because the establishment likes Israel. Um, and you would lose people... opportunities, right? Like, Yeah, ex- exactly. And also, like this happened to me as well. Like, I had a sponsor. I, I'd, e- I'd even done some of it. And then <laughs> they messaged me saying, um, this is before uh, October 7th, they messaged me saying, oh, might take a while to get back to you. The company is Israeli. And, and there was oh. no evidence... There was no evidence online that this company was Israeli. I, I checked, and then I checked again afterwards. It looked like it was an American company. Uh-huh. Um, and then I said to the, I said to the people, "Oh, like I don't work with Israeli companies." And then I just like lost out on the money. Um, yeah. But then it's like to me, it's like it was absolutely a no brainer. Like I'd done ninety five percent of the work for the money, and I was like, "It's an absolutely like no brainer." I'm just going to say, yeah, "I'm not. Ta- I'm not finishing it, and I'm not taking the money." But I think to a lot of people, when you get to a certain standing. It's kind of like it's will a I lot justify? of money. Maybe it's harder yeah, yeah. to say no to. <laughs> well, I mean, if you said to H bomber guy, um, make a video on Israel if you really care about it. Make a video and potentially you'd lose like ten grand a month or something out of your thirty. Like, would they do it? 
and and that's the thing like they they the, the thing is they would probably be insulted by me even su- suggesting that but then uh, you know when it comes to money people get get weird i mean and, i'm and, happy to hear that he's tweeting about it now yeah, no, constantly he's he been, he been tweeting a lot about it but that's what that's makes the, the original tweet but you were referencing and I made a video on so bizarre. <laughs> it's like, but then, but then that's that come a very cynical person. Did he then realize that most people that he watched him actually support Palestine? So then maybe you can actually talk about it. Cause from what he's, from what he's tweeting, it sounds like he does really support Palestinians or anti-Israeli. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, did he have to wait until he had confirmation of, Oh yeah, your community really hate it that you didn't say anything. So you better say something now. Uh, that's, that's what I mean. And like, I get to some things like you can't be a spokesman on everything, but sometimes it's like if you if you are left wing and you can't call out genocide, what are you good for, really? Mm. It, it's, it's just that, that, a really big thing that's happening right now. I think that's what's shocking is that the silence in the face of this level of violence is just it's difficult. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure about your education. Like, did, did you you grew up in Saudi and then Pakistan? Was it? Because I was yeah. I was just wondering about your education in relation to like the second world war and stuff because it's very let me tell you i mean even though all my teachers were british they did not i mean we talked about it but we did not talk about the holocaust at all i don't know if that was a choice made because it was because of saudi arabia it was in saudi arabia i don't know um yeah it is more politicized in certain countries i don't know about saudi arabia but i know in iran it's like there's a lot of holocaust denial and stuff like that and they're always like talk about the numbers and everything we didn't talk about like i just didn't know anything about israel about jews about yeah because because what i was wondering um because you had a different experience because i was just thinking about like being a british person and a western person like western educated in in these countries you get bombarded with world war Two so much and literally, like it in the UK, it's literally like so much, so part of our identity still. And I was just thinking, like in terms of education, when you're in that, you get bombarded so much. And I made my video on Germany last week. Is like you just associate Holocaust with Israel, and they should be associated because it's part of the reason why yeah. so many people went there. But at the same time, you associate it with this is some sort of either penance or retribution yeah. for the Jewish people after the Nazi thing. And I think that has been so dominant in this country for so long. I think for a lot of people, uh, and if I speculate why like left-wing people maybe support Israel sometimes, it's like you, and especially in Germany, where left-wing people always support Israel, it's like you feel that guilt or you feel that like this is their destiny in terms of they suffered such a great tragedy, they deserve this. But obviously... And it is. It know. is such a huge, huge tragedy. And they absolutely deserved... A, a safe place, but not at the expense of Palestinians. Yeah, maybe not at the expense of other people. Yeah, and that's the that's what everyone always says. It's like Germany, like you can't just wipe your hands clean and be exactly. like go to Palestine and create a country there, and that's us out of the picture. Basically, we'll just we'll just support that. Yeah, they shouldn't be like able to get off with what they did. And there was a really good thread on Twitter recently about how a lot of these Western countries and what explains their attitude is when they acknowledge these horrendous things from their past, they are sorry basically for that instance. And they are not, 
like reckoning with or grappling with the the whole principle of the thing that they did. So they can go maybe a few decades later and do something similarly horrendous because they haven't actually truly dealt with how awful the principle of the thing that they're doing is. They have just felt bad about that one instance in isolation. And it's kind of like a, it's an it's an anomaly. It's not the norm. Yeah, um, which I think Namibia brought up recently. Exactly. Of, yeah, because of the genocide the Germans did there, which I think is a very fair point as well, because it, it helps keep that air of Western superiority that the Nazis were a bad, unique thing. Mm-hmm. We all unified to defeat them, and then it never happened again, or yeah. something like that. And it's yeah. like. Well, like the British, you know, Winston Churchill led the British. He was, you know, a lot of people say he's responsible for the Bengal famine or the Bengal yes. genocide. Um, the UK has a very rich history. Of, and that was millions of people, right? Yeah. And they're saying, um, I think I think the numbers are something like 50 million people died between like, 1890 and like 1920 in India or something from the British rule. Like it's absolutely like insane numbers, and obviously you had the partition. Yeah. Afterwards, um, and, and you know what's funny is that even though my educators were British, like for GCSEs, we also did not learn anything about uh, the atrocities that Britain did, or the Raj, or you know, yeah, rule um, in India. Nothing. It's yeah, Ireland, India, Kenya. Um, yeah, we didn't learn about Ireland. Kenya, yeah, none, Gulf, none Gulf states, but that's the thing. It's like the the Nazis, you know, that was the one bad thing in European history, and it's all just been like a steady stream of progress. It's like, and that's why for me, anti-capitalism became so important because it's you can't divorce it from either historic yeah. or neo-colonialism. Is that, and it ties back to the Muslim stuff. If you keep pillaging, stealing, killing from certain countries enriching yourself for your development and then keep saying oh look at those backwards barbarians it's like can you not see how that relates like if you're bombing the shit out of iraq if you're stealing resources from african countries for like generations how are they going to economically develop and how are they going to like have all the things that like are in my opinion lead to a more secular society and that's material needs being met and then you call them shithole countries like trump did yeah, like like Haiti. That is so. You can trace that all back to European colonialism while it's in its state and American imperialism. And, it's and saying, the reparations you know, were paid to whom? Yeah, fr- France by by the people yeah. who had to rebel um, against their own slave masters. And it's like that's what frustrates me with European history is that we don't recognise that these countries are certain ways because of us. And it's like Sisi in Egypt. He's a dictator because we back him. Mubarak was the same. Uh, the Gulf states, all their all their monarch, monarchs, we back them. You know who who helped the Saudis discover oil is the Americans in the nineteen thirties. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, all of this stuff. And like you were saying, like even the way you were taught, but the way I was taught it as well is the Nazis were bad. Germany is the evil one, um, but that's it. <laughs> it's like everything only else, in like, that time period, and then it was over. Yeah, it's like everything else is very complicated. Like Ireland, oh, that's very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, India, that's very complicated. Uh, Nazis, uncomplicated, very unique. And now Douglas Murray is out there saying even they felt bad for what they did. They cried themselves <laughs> to sleep. They had to drink, and you right. know, which is, is yeah, it's so it's so insane. And also, it's a lie. And that's how you know yes. he's a fascist himself because they didn't feel bad. Um, even they they would execute Soviet prisoners basically on the spot because they thought they were either Jews. 
being controlled by Jews or just like, you know, not racially pure. And it's like, uh, to, to get tens of millions of people to go along with this, do you, none of them felt guilty. And also, if you read the accounts of especially like Croatian Nazis as well, uh, they were so extreme. The only thing is, like, this is what he's probably referring to. Some Nazis thought some other Nazis took it too far. And that's what he probably referencing. Like the German Nazis thought the Croatians took it a bit too far because they literally like saw people in half while they were alive. Like, but 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 you know, when when they tried to kill Heydrich in Czechoslovakia, they just drove a truck around with a gas chamber in it, portable gas chamber, just grabbed people off the street and threw them in it. It's like yeah. they really they really felt bad, did they? <laughs> they really felt bad as they were just picking up random checks and shucking them in a, in a, ga- in a portable gas chamber. It's like, come on, like to actually. But that's what I mean. That's how you talk about history. Is that you know, it was a failing of of Europe, but this happened, not the norm. And I think I read that thread you were referencing as well, where it talks about all the shit Germany did and how mm-hmm. the Holocaust w- was a culmination, not you referencing earlier, with how Jews often fled mm-hmm. Europe. It's like, it's a culmination of about, you know, 1,800 years of really bad anti-Semitism and, mm-hmm. and like this colonial mindset of Germany were trying to replicate. But the thing is also Germany were trying to replicate uh, the United States. What they did to the natives, they saw as themselves doing to the Jews and the Slavs. Mm-hmm. So it's like even that, like conversation, is never had. Is that Germany no. loved, loved America? Like Hitler personally loved America, and he wanted to be like like America. And that's why it's just so frustrating. Is like, how can we honestly say, even if Hamas believe terrible things, they are as bad as Nazis? Nazis killed like what, like forty million people, <laughs> and, and uh, six million Jews alone. And it's like we're going to say Hamas to that. Like how many? How, how many have they killed? Uh, it, it doesn't even compare. So it's just like they just know. don't have the power. Even like let's say they're all evil, evil, evil. They just do not have that kind of yeah. system or power to do that kind of harm. And like we're talking about Sam Harris to bring it back to new atheism, that's one of his points is like, well, if Hamas were Israel, they would oh, yeah. kill all the Jews. But because the Jews don't kill all of them, then therefore they're better. And it's like... They're well, civilized. Yeah, great great hypothetical you got there where um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got to like think the country doing genocide isn't actually that bad because if it was the other group, they'd do it more. They'd it's do like, it more. And that is all in his head because obviously <laughs> what is he basing it on, Right. That, that's the thing is like what is he basing it on and like you were saying earlier you cannot divorce hamas from the political conditions and the economic conditions of of gaza so hamas would not be exist if it wasn't for that very specific situation because um even if you think of like some of the worst like authoritarian islamic countries like let's say saudi arabia like they do, they have done terrible things and stuff like yemen but even mm-hmm, like iran mm-hmm. they, they are terrible in their own ways but like do we see them at like especially Iran, I don't see Iran act like Israel too much. Like it does terrible things to its like minority groups and stuff. But like this very massive scale in front of everyone, kill, like if Iran was doing this to anyone, we'd be invading them like tomorrow. Of or course, right? with with the Palestinian stuff, it's all because of racism embodied by the new atheist movement that we accept. You know, was it is it like ten thousand children now being killed? Yeah, for, for, at least. What, what what have they done? And there's no if and and what people don't realise as well is, and that's why it's so annoying to have Douglas Murray in our ears all the time. Is that Israel's point? Like he describes Hamas as worse than the Nazis. If you think that, then you think the whole of Palestine and the whole of Gaza specifically is complicit, therefore a legitimate target. 
Well, like he said how, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, like how uh, every German civilian and city was seen as legitimate target. Yeah. That therefore every Gazan civilian must be seen as a Hamas fighter in waiting. Therefore, you should kill them all, basically. Which yeah. is insane, especially compared to Israel, which is literally the most militarized country on the entire planet. It's like, um, I, I, I think it's like twelve percent of the of the Jewish population are in the military. And, and I mean, just couple that with the fact that Douglas Murray is very happy to be friends with a lot of European anti-Semitic people, like Viktor Orban, or yeah. uh, you know, he deals in these kinds of conspiracy theories that can be very anti-Semitic, like because, the Great Replacement. Yeah. Douglas Murray is not a friend to Jewish people, if you really look at the totality of what he says, he's exactly. just defending Israel yeah, because he hates Muslims. Exactly. And that's why liberal identity politics frustrates me so much is that people, if I said Netanyahu was an anti-Semite, that would break people's brain. Like it would like how, but he has done that? like Holocaust revisionism and all kinds of awful yeah, things. Holocaust, he, he, he said Hitler didn't want to kill the Jews until a Palestinian told him to. Yeah, like if that if that's not Holocaust denial, I don't know what is. But but that breaks people's brain that you can support Israel or even be the a Jewish um, leader of Israel, and you can have anti anti semitism. Or if you told people the number one people who are deprived and treated like shit in Israel, Jewish people are Holocaust survivors because they're seen as weaklings for yeah. for letting that happen to them. Right? If that would these things are that's not horrifying. About. Yeah, but then because we're told we must, especially Germans, you must support Israel because of the Holocaust. It's like you don't you don't even talk about that, or even like you were saying, Douglas Murray is probably anti-Semitic himself, but also um, palling around with anti-Semites who support Israel. But then to people we've associated so much supporting Israel means you're not an anti-Semite. You don't realize like in Germany right now, the actual fascist party they brought in an anti-BDS bill, and they said to the others, "Well, if you don't support this, you hate Jews." And then it's like, but they actually don't <laughs> like Jews, but they're doing this yeah. because of this like liberal identity politics that is pro-Israel and they can weaponize it against people. And that's what the intellectual dark yeah. does as well. And that's yeah. why for me, if you're listening to this and you consider yourself a liberal, I'd say look into it a bit more because leftism is more, and I'd say progressivism can fit into this, but I feel like it does have like the liberal liberals in the broad tent. But it's like, you have to kind of reject these people who use like woke stuff like Israel, like, if you support LGBTU side of Israel, like you have to reject that because you have to realize like the woke washing basically. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I've been calling it as well. My video yeah. the woke washing of apartheid and the woke washing of genocide is like, you know, you have to just be a bit smarter and not base your politics in like completely about like, it's very important to support these things, but you should realize that if, if someone's telling you you should support LGBT rights for the soldiers doing genocide, then that is just not compatible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, just, it's just not coherent, but that is literally the argument that IDW and Sam Harris, especially have been making about Israel for like five or six years. And America. Just, I mean, yeah, they're the and, civilized ones, you know, while like with Douglas Murray, you're saying like Auburn supporting people who are extremely anti left, anti LGBT, anti progressive, very Christian, very conservative, very authoritarian. Uh, Auburn is pro Russian as well. And it's like, you know, w what am I meant? To, what even these politics? It is just like secular fascist is the only way I could describe it. It's not tethered to religion. It's tethered to an idea of the West, which I actually was surprised when I read a Joseph Goebbels speech 
from the 30s, he talks about Western civilization as well, mm. which, which kind of blew my mind because I thought it's like a modern thing, but it just shows you that like this fascism is just being repackaged and like how boring history is, just like how the trans panic is like the gay panic mm-hmm. and how the hysteria about Muslims right now is like the one from 2001 to 2009 or whatever. It's like, And which is also a lot like the way that Jews were dehumanized in the past as well, right? Yeah. No, exactly, and like the comparisons with the Warsaw Ghetto and Gaza, and, and how like, they were depicted as like you know insects and vermin, yeah. and that's all happening with Arabs and Muslims. Yeah, and it's just it's just frustrating because history's so boring because it just keeps repeating itself. But now we we back ourselves into the corner of oh never again support genocide. But then you're watching it happen in front of you, broadcast in 4K on a smartphone, and you're like, nope, um, Israel the good guys, and it's just like. Yeah, that's what gives me, like, this this year, obviously, I'm not Palestinian. I don't have any Palestinian relatives. So I can't imagine how hard that has been for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, like, even just, it's just been so hard to watch because it really shatters any semblance of good you think Western countries might have. Like, I'm talking, not talking about the people. I'm talking about, like... It does. It does. Maybe some general vibe that yeah. we we could be on the right track with certain things. And I think any optimism from, like, the 90s or even the early 2010s a bit has really been shattered. And obviously, because our politics have shifted so right-wing as well in response to a lot of this stuff, for me, it's just, like, very hard to, like... Not cope, but like have any faith in in humanity with this stuff. So yeah, um, yeah that that's that's for me is like it's kind of like a a, a breaking out of new atheism moment because when you, when it's yes. gone, like when the curtain comes up, you can't put it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's the same with me right now. Uh, I don't know yeah. if, you, if you, you can relate to that. Like it's just like you can't. I can because yeah. as someone who immigrated to Canada, as someone who you know growing up in Saudi Arabia, don't. Re- as a as an expat and we're called expats in Saudi because you cannot be an immigrant so I know that the idea in the west is that you know that is like what white people call themselves when they move to Spain because they're not like immigrants (laughs) but in in Saudi Arabia they're referred to as expats because they cannot be immigrants you cannot ever have rights I mean maybe that's changing now a little bit but um, you know, my dad dedicated his whole youth to working in Saudi Arabia, and at any point he could be told, all right, your job is over, you're out. Your kids yeah. that are born there, uh, you know, your years that you put in there, you can't, you couldn't own property or business or anything. You have no rights. So that's why we cannot be immigrants, and that's the only reason that I call myself an expat. Yeah. Um, But so as an expat from Saudi Arabia of Pakistani origin, I always felt like very uh, rootless, disconnected from all cultures because I was never going to be Pakistani enough and I was never going to be Saudi. And having a Western education um, just like made me feel very different and... Then I moved to Canada, and it was a country that I could actually have rights and, you know, have a home, and my family could put down roots. And this is the first place that I've actually felt is home. And so there is that sense of relief when you find a place like that. But then something like this happens, and you're like, oh, my fucking God. 
like all this talk of being progressive, Justin Trudeau going to pride parade and (laughs) going to mosques and talking to Muslims. And when it comes down to mattering, really, when there's a genocide happening, he's like, whoa, 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 no, no, we don't agree with that case. Yeah. What are you talking about? And it's like that case is like, the amount of evidence is overwhelming. And I feel like it means nothing because I also have no hope because it it matters who's powerful and Israel's case being absolute bullshit, uh, Israel's defense, is, they're still going to get away with it. They're still going to have no, I don't know, the decision will be in favor of them. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I feel. Yeah, no, and, and also for you as well, um, two things is that, um, as someone who is like expat, uh, ex-Muslim, and obviously like you know, to a lot of Canadians, doesn't really matter. You just are yeah. Muslim. Um, it's frustrating because it feels like, and this is the case in in um, you know the prosecution for Israel. It's South Africans and Irish people. Yeah. And for you, like obviously, someone who's speaking out in Canada, uh, someone who has a background, it, it always falls on marginalized or colonized people to speak up against these things yeah and it's just very frustrating like obviously uh, you know for most people i am just an english man uh, yeah. but i identify with my irish background uh, as a reminder that when my grandparents came here they were treated like the other they were treated like yeah. shit and stuff and i have to remember like that's what everyone should remember and i think a lot of communities where whether it be indian in the uk with people like rishi sunak or irish people you got to remember it was you and now yeah. it's someone and now it's someone else. And I think the the double point of that as well is that settler colonial nations stick together because if if you undermine the foundation of Israel, you're undermining your own foundation. Like yeah. you've probably been following the news in Canada with the residential yeah. schools. Yeah. Canada was was founded on native genocide, as was the United States, yeah. as was Australia, as was New Zealand, as was South Africa. Um it's all these countries and like apartheid South Africa, obviously. And it's like, if you undermine Israel, which is literally doing a speed run of that, it's literally you're, you're coming, calling to question your very own existence as well. Yeah. Um, and, and highlighting, you know, the Palestinians or what's happened to the Palestinians is, is this ideology that is what happened to natives all around everywhere or just local people like in, in Ireland as well. And it's just funny that like the Israelis and often how it's framed is they view it as some sort of land back. Like we are retaking our home, mm-hmm. um, not knowing that is a ridiculous notion. Even if every single Israeli Jew could actually trace their ancestry back there, still stupid to be like, I'm coming back to take over this place, which is completely inhabited. But even then it's like, you can convert to Judaism and become Israeli. Well, yeah. Can you imagine like American Irish people going to Ireland and evicting people from their homes and be like, I'm coming back. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support it, there are several ways you can do that. You can share it online, talk about what you just heard. You can leave a five-star review to help others find it too. And you can also subscribe via patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No E in mangoes. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter before it's uh, completely wrecked, you'll find me at nice mangoes. Again, no E in mangoes.